Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Good evening and welcome to another episode of That's Truth. I'm Nathan Owens and I'm in the studio with Pastor Dr. David Murphy. Good evening, Pastor Murphy. Uh, Good evening, Brother Nathan. It's good to be here again this evening. Yes, looking forward to the topic this evening. We've been discussing for the last couple of weeks addictions and we were discussing the addiction of pornography. Tonight, let's transition to another addiction and that's an addiction that is worldwide but is also very prevalent here in the Caribbean and in Antigua. That's the addiction of gambling. But before we get into that, let me encourage you to message a friend, call a family member, encourage them to listen to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, encourage them to tune in and listen to the next hour here on That's Truth. Today, as I was thinking through and organizing my notes for the program, I just off the top of my head begin to visualize different casinos or gambling locations that I drive by on a regular regular occurrence, Pastor. And I could think off the top of my head of eight casinos here in Antigua that I drive by, whether it be for uh, station business or on my way to church. I'm sure that there are many more than that, but those are the ones I regularly pass by. Before we go any further, let me define what is gambling. Very basic definition. But what I found was to play games of chance for money. In other words, to bet or to take risky action in hope of a desired result. Would you have anything to add to that, Pastor? Well, generally, the legal definition of gambling is that it's the wagering of money or something that is of value on an event that uh, is uncertain. But the primary intent of the wagering is to win some kind of money or some kind of material good. So the three elements basically involved in any form of gambling. There is consideration which has to do with the payment that you um involved in that you bet on. There's an element of chance, and then there's always some price. So those are the three elements that c- come together to constitute gambling, basically. So the whole idea is to put in a little bit in order to get out a big payday. Right, that's Jackpot. exactly, uh, yeah. Is it a sin? I'm just going to start out with a basic question. Well, let me put it this way. Uh, the Bible does not specifically address the question of gambling. I don't think you can go through the scriptures anywhere and find any commandment or any principle that says thou shalt not gamble. Um, the church has been very ambivalent towards it um, for some time. In our modern century, um, well, 20th century, it really was the Catholic Church that really was the main catalyst that uh, encouraged gambling with their um, 
their bingo, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the other churches, the, the fundamental churches and the evangelical churches, have always opposed gambling. Um, in, my, in my judgment, I've always looked at gambling as something wrong, something a believer should not get involved in. But because there's no specific command in Scripture that says you should not, um, it is difficult. For me, it's a sin, uh, from my perspective. But other people may not view it that way. The question is, are there any biblical principles to, to, that would help to establish whether or not a Christian should engage in this kind of an activity? Uh, but I've always stayed away from it. All the Christians I've known have stayed away from it. But we are now in a modern age where Christianity is so watered down. And everything um, is, is allowed these days, drinking, alcohol, um, uh, gambling, uh, going to dances, going to even the carnival. Um, we've come a, a long way from basic fundamental principles of morality uh, because we now have a softened interpretation of the Bible, which has impacted the moral life of people, not leading them back to God, but leading them more away from God and giving them some form of comfort uh, which has no biblical base. Would you say that in your lifetime the focus of Christians has shifted from how can I become holy like God to what can I get away with? <laughs> I, I don't think anybody uh, questions that part of it. Um, the concept of holiness is so lost in the church today. Um, people would, uh, It's like I tell um, young ladies in our church, if you were to ask a young lady, how would you want to be considered holy or sexy? Most young girls uh, would probably suggest that they want to be considered sexy, yeah. right? But that gives you a general uh, shift in morality and values that has taken place within the church. That's why I keep saying on this program that there will be no revival until the church takes care of its problems and really gets serious before God with repentance and uh, clean up its, its own act. We cannot pontificate and tell the world what they need to do Yet within the church, we find all of this aberrant lifestyles that are not in harmony with Scripture. Uh, and I blame, to some extent, the pastors. I blame, to some extent, the inter- entertainment mentality that's been siphoned into the churches of the um, TBN, etc., etc. Uh, a lot of factors involved in this whole thing, but I think there's a general decline in morality and values and holiness within the church. Is gambling more benign than pornography? Well, when it comes to pornography, clearly we have a biblical mandate against that. Whoever look on a woman and lusts after her. The uh, book of Job talks about making a covenant with his eyes. He would not look upon a maid. The Bible warns about uh, lust, and et cetera, et cetera. And we got examples in that regard. Uh, the problem with, with, with gambling um, is... There's been such an ambivalence about it in terms of the church, as far as the church is concerned. For, for centuries, um, um, the subject, the church has vacillated between is it right, is it wrong. When I say the church, I'm talking about the, the global church, I'm talking about the fundamental churches or the, the, the independent Baptist churches or the evangelical churches. But those non-evangelical churches have tolerated it, and, and, and as a result of that, there have been some... And then the other thing is that people tend to equate um, gambling with insurance, the tent in, 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 with investment and stuff like that. So they don't try to, um, they try to um, wrap everything up together, not making any, any subtle distinctions. And consequently, they're trying to justify the practice of, um, of, of, of gambling. 
Uh, I think it is... to say it's more benign, I am not too sure what the statistics are on, in terms of gambling accounts. I know that, for example, um, in terms of, I don't know within the Caribbean what the, the stats are like, but I know that in, in America, you have an astronomical amount of people who are now today addicts in America. Um, I know that is a half a trillion dollar industry globally. Um, but I have no idea of how to compare the statistics with porn and the effect it has um, vis-a-vis. All I would say as far as Christians are concerned, we, um, and Paul is talking about what a Christian is allowed to do, the liberty, the freedom that believer has, is always some very clear principles. Is this expedient? Will I be brought under the power of it? How is it going to impact my, my testimony? Uh, and clearly, when you get involved in gambling, you become addicted to it. You come under the power of it. And um, we'll talk later about, hopefully, we'll deal with the social cost in terms of the broken homes, broken families, in terms of the, the debt that's often incurred. Uh, a lot of times, gambling is also linked with um, the underworld, um, a, a lot of um, like mafia, okay. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so these are things that believers clearly should stay away from. I don't think there's a doubt about that. Are there different types of gambling? Um, there are several different types of gambling. Um, if I could just share uh, the information I've gathered in, in this connection. Uh, there's, for example, the lotteries. Everybody knows about the lotteries. Generally, lotteries are sponsored by government or the state. And uh, they're normally weekly or daily joins and uh, sometimes you've got scratch off tickets etc but that's one form of gambling lottery another one of course is the casino where you've got your jackpot slot machines you've got the video card games and machines you've got the uh, poker and blackjack etc uh, so you've got the lotteries you've got the casinos and then you've, today you've got what's called sports betting where you bet on a sporting event uh, in terms of the results uh, and then there's what you call horse racing or dog racing, the prime mutual uh, gambling. And then there is convenience gambling. Um, this is like retail gambling within a particular store, the standalone slot machine, video games, etc., etc. And the last form is, of course, online gambling, which is a new frontier. And this has greatly incru- in- increased the number of people uh, who actually gamble because you can actually do it in private as opposed to some people still have the stigma of going into a, a casino or going into uh, to play a slot machine. But because of the privacy in your home, you don't. nobody knows what you're doing. It has actually facilitated the increase in gambling. So you've got the lotteries, the casinos, you've got sports betting, you've got the, what's called paramutual, uh, horse racing and, and dog racing, you've got the convenience gambling, and then you've got the online gambling. So those are six different types of gambling, really. You're talking about gambling, but what about like a raffle? It's a uh, a church fundraiser. Well, traditionally, again, uh, evangelical churches, Baptist churches, and, and uh, like faith, basically, they've always stayed away from all forms of gambling, because when you when you uh, permit a lesser form, uh, it leads to something even greater. Uh, I remember as a little boy um, when I used to before I was even saved. We started off pitching marbles for pitching for marbles. Yeah. Then we started pitching for buttons, and before you know it, we were pitching for money. 
uh, it's a slow. It's it's like when you win, you want to win more, and you want to increase that. It 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 appeals to human greed, to be very honest with you, and that is why uh, the church traditionally has discouraged uh, people getting involved. If you win in a bingo game, you'll believe you win again. You keep it, it, it's a trap. So once you've actually gained, you want to gain more and gain more and gain more. So uh, in terms of uh, from a biblical perspective, that is equivalent to greed. Uh, covetousness, and that is why um, ba- Baptist churches and evangelical churches have traditionally discouraged people getting involved in gambling. This small act leads to something far greater, creates a greater level of greed and a greater level of covetousness, and uh, that's why we, we dissuade anybody from engaging in it. Okay, we have another caller on the air. Go ahead, caller. Good night, Pastor uh, Murphy. Good night. Pastor. Yes, sir. Uh, you, you stated quite well that uh, there's no Old or New Testament, there's nowhere in the Scripture that it said uh, one that spoke specifically about gambling. Uh-huh. I, I'm not a gambler, I'm just, you know, I'm going with being biblical, being the Scripture. Sure. But I, I, I heard what you just said about greed a while ago, so that kind of a little bit... Uh, 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 get me to agree with what you were saying. Uh-huh. A- anything else you say with like really gambling, but in, in most things in life, is it not you know taking chances? Is that not classified in another word about like gambling? I'm not just saying gambling for value or uh-huh. for money or anything, but you know when you were speaking a while ago and you spoke about greed. Yeah. In, 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 even in anything we are doing, it doesn't have to be gambling. It's it, great. You you spoke about commercialness and and but I'm just saying you earlier quoted that old or new testament there's no nowhere in the scripture that is stated that uh, yeah. one should not uh, gamble. And we are talking about, you know, scripture now. We can take yeah. away from it and we can add to it. Yeah. Let me let me respond very um as quickly as possible. What we do when we we try to reduce our risk, uh, gambling is is not anywhere trying to reduce risk. It increases risk. The other factor is uh, there's a we, life is involved in, in in a lot of risk. For example, take insurance. Uh, we uh, that's a form of risk. But in the case of insurance, you're trying to reduce risk, and you are trying to you normally evaluate the insurance companies to see which gives you the best value. More of that, you're paying a premium every month. Um, the premium is designed to cover you, but if you were to live the length of time that um, the, the whatever money you invested, in actual fact, it, it's almost equivalent to your premium. So insurance companies are very, very, I mean, they try to cover their costs as well, but et cetera. But what I'm saying to you is that gambling is something completely different. Uh, in insurance, in, in, in investment, you're trying to reduce risk. If you're going to get a guy to invest your money with a broker, you're trying to find out who's the best broker. You find out if he knows about the commodities that he's investing in or the, the shares that he's dealing with or whatever. So you're trying to reduce risk. Gambling is something you're trying to get something for nothing, basically. And it often... The people that suffer most when it comes to gambling are not the rich. It's always the poor. We've come to that very shortly when it comes to even the lotteries and what the results have been in the States. Um, being the Caribbean have gone in that direction, but when you hear the results of, of what has taken place in the States who have been involved in lotteries for a number of years, the results uh, clearly show that 
it is not good for society, the social cost, the economic cost is not good. Uh, and I think eventually we'll learn that. And I don't think, sir, unless you're doing counseling or you're dealing with people in school, uh, I don't think people are aware of the cost, it's, it's the effect it's having on the nation uh, in regards to taking in funds and siphoning off funds into gambling, which should be invested in the home and taking care of the family, et cetera, et cetera. And when you become addicted to gambling, you can actually take your paycheck and go straight to the gambling casino and lose the entire sum. Then there's nothing for the for the family. The problem in the Caribbean is that we don't have statistics. We we I can't tell you, for example, what is how many people gamble in Antigua, what is the social cost to the government, taking in all the other factors. I can't tell you that because there's a paucity of material that is available to us to find out exactly what the current situation is. But I do that. I do agree that life involves chances, but we do try to reduce the chance. In case of gambling, it's a reckless risk that we're taking, and what we really want is something for nothing, basically. And who we are robbing, so because somebody got to pay for what we get. And normally it's the, the poor person and the less fortunate that pay a greater penalty when they get involved, when we get involved in gambling. Thank you very much for that call. Uh, 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 yeah, go ahead. Pastor Murphy? Yes, please. Okay, uh, you 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 went to an area that I was going to ask you. I guess that shows your veracity uh, when you answer questions. You try to cover a lot of areas, and I really appreciate that. When I was back in the U.S., that was part of my job. That's where I was coming from. Okay. Uh, investing people's money, uh, being a Wall Street uh, route. Right, right. Uh, and. Uh, uh, this is being done legally now. This is not, you know, you paying the taxes and, yeah. and you know, like the Bible says, give what is due to see that. Yeah. Right. Uh, we used to take people's money, uh, people, you know, uh, and we would know, like, uh, the the Iraqi, the first Iraqi war. Uh, we know the oil is going to get skyrocketed. Right, right. The exchange was going on. And we quickly buy into the oils by... Uh, at a low rate, Correct. knowing that uh, when the war starts, the, the the OPEC countries they are going to limit uh, uh, they are going to limit productions and the oil price is going to go. Uh, so we buy in at thirty four dollars per barrel, and we came and down the road. We are now like in a honest form. We are now saying, oh. We want the war to start, yeah. so we don't care the souls that are going, you know, people that are going to lose their lives. Yeah. We don't care the decisions that is being made by Washington, yeah. but we just want the war to start, it, to, to hype everything up. Uh -huh. So we buy a barrel of, for $34, and we are not, and it went all the way to 100 and something, yeah. and we not start selling. Yeah. What, what do you have to have you put that in perspective, even though we have been doing it in, in a legal form and paying the taxes and everything, will you call that in the sense of uh, a conversiousness or greed or, uh, uh, I mean, it doesn't fall upon, uh, that is not in the Bible, but just like you were saying, you you as a person don't believe in uh, yeah. uh, gambling. What, what will you have to say about Well, to be honest with you, that's a very thoughtful question. You're a very smart person and I can see, all I would say to people is this, look, in, in investors, your job as an investor is to bring returns to the person who put the resources available to you to give you the capital and you try to return some interest on that. Um, you're doing your job that you should. I think I think um, 
governments that deliberately start wars or engage in, 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 in activities that, that will um, cause things to spike or things to decrease with a plan that ultimately there's some profit motive involved, I think that is morally wrong. What I would say to you as a, uh, a person, I would not engage in any activity that my conscience bothered me. If I if it really really bothered me personally, I would not involved in it, get involved in it. Even, something can be legitimate and still be wrong. It's like the marijuana here in in Antigua. I mean, every person can own four, four have four plants in their home. I think this is going to destroy the moral fabric of this country, and I think it's a gross mistake on the part of the government to even suggest the idea that this would be allowed. But again, it's legal. Even though it's for medicine. Oh, no, I have no problem with medicinal use of any drug. I think that all, I think that drugs that serve those purposes, their legitimate use. But I'm talking about recreational use because what you've done, you've oh. opened the door now. I was I was just told this evening um, that people who normally would have been careful and watchful and smoke in private, now they're so bold and brazen that uh, it is almost like, hey, it's nothing to, to be ashamed of, nothing to be embarrassed about, nothing to... I think they've been emboldened, and I think that will happen with our young people. Once there was a stigma attached to it, people would be very watchful, but now that stigma is removed and it's now being made le legitimate. I think you're going to find people do it more openly, and I think we can, the, the impact this is going to have in the long term on this country is going to be terribly detrimental. Go to Jamaica and see the ganja babies that are being born and the problem that that has created. Uh, but I don't know if we have the moral courage in government to take action. Uh, it's, it's really sad to see what is happening in this matter. The Canadian government has pumped for millions of dollars into Canada for the manufacturer of making uh, marijuana and a big, uh, a big mark in the heat, in uh, yeah. like, a, like, like an industry. Yeah. That's what all that is coming yeah. out to. But may I say something quickly? Yeah. I, I think that uh, this is what the Caribbean governments are thinking, that they will be able to tap into this market, but they're making a massive mistake because the technology that these other countries have got, far in advance of what we've got, and I can't see, we're going to be big losers in the long term. The governments are thinking it's a revenue source, but I'm going to guarantee you that we will not be able to compete with these multinational countries that are going to make this a, a real marketing strategy. And the, 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 the different types that they could come up with in their scientific labs, we will not have that technology. So we are, we, are, we are the losing end of this whole battle. Thank you very much for your very thoughtful questions. I appreciate your call. The time across the Eastern Caribbean is 7.57. The name of the program is That's Truth. And you're listening to Pastor Dr. David Murphy give biblical answers to hard questions in today's life. What are some of the effects? And you've alluded to the fact that there are detrimental effects to society. What are some of those effects? Well, um, I'm just going to mention several things here without any particular order uh, to give you an idea of how um, impactful this is in society. For example, and, uh, and again, the paucity of statistics we have, we, we, we don't have statistics that we have available in, in CARICOM or within uh, Antigua that we can actually draw down on. So all we can do is use a, an analogy and a reference to, to what stats we have uh, from the state, the, the, the condition in the U.S. Uh, let's take, for example, the social costs uh, of the effect of gambling uh, I, I want to do some uh, refer to some studies that were done 
and um, share those with you to give you an idea of how what impact it has. For example, the Field Institute of California did a poll, and they found out that 18 percent of the state's adult population who brought 71 bought 71 percent of the tickets were the poor, the less educated, and in the case of America, uh, blacks. So, in actual fact, 71 percent of those who are engaged in in in, in uh, this 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 uh, lottery thing are are the poor and the indigent and and, and the unfortunate that in itself um, should be a social concern for people who advocate for gambling um, the other thing in the journal of social issues uh, found that uh, when you increase gambling it increases the proportion of divorce and separation it also leads to disagreement about money matters within uh, spousal arrangements. Uh, it leads to lack of understanding between the marital partners. There's more debate and confusion that's going on. And they also indicated that there's problems among children of gamblers. So you're talking about the social impact it's having on the family. Uh, I wish people would uh, be aware of how it causes divorce and bankruptcy and strife. Um, in, in, in one book, When You Gamble, You Risk More Than Your Money, a, a book written by Boyden Coyle and Sidney Margulius, uh, they talked about the destructive effect it has on the family, how it corrodes the family, and they use all kinds of statistical data to prove the negative impact it has on the family. Um, another thing is that the crime rate uh, in communities uh, nearly doubled in the States uh, to the average, national average uh, once gambling was introduced to the state. Uh, that in itself should be uh, a, a, a something that we should think about in, in regards to the social impact this has. And then the average compulsive gambler in, in America, his debts exceed over $80,000. So he's 80, not $80,000, right? That gives you an, that's the average compulsive gambler in, in the state. So that gives you an idea of it's a very serious. You, you, it's an, an, that's it's an a addiction. home mortgage. <laughs> it's an addiction. That's why this. That's why crime increases yeah. because when the book, booker uh, asks you know for pay up, you can't pay up. You you look for some other alternative means of dealing with that. Uh, it also leads to the f- neglecting the family, at least embezzlement, leads to theft, involvement in organized crime, causing divorce, child abuse, substance uh, abuse, and of course. When you can't uh, meet your obligations and you're indebted, especially to illegal gambling, it leads to a lot of suicidal attempts. So when you look at this broad spectrum of affecting the family and society, you can see that it has a negative impact on on society. I've heard even some of my acquaintances in the state say, I'm going to buy a lottery ticket. I'm not addicted to gambling, but there's no way I can win the lottery without buying a ticket. For me, it would be a sin because my conscience is against um, putting my life um, depending on chance for my survival. Uh, If you believe in the sovereignty of God, that God will take care of his own. Um, If you believe that you've got to live a life where you learn to be content with what you've got. If you believe that the the way to have is to hard work, and the Bible emphasizes a strong work ethic. If you are looking for chance for prosperity, I think it's a, a, a real problem. I, I would not in any way, and then I'm sure, absolutely sure, 
that if I were to be it were to be known that I was involved in any kind of lottery act activity, my whole testimony would be gone, my whole moral influence would be gone, my whole spiritual life would be going down the drain. So the impact that will have uh, would be so negative for me. Therefore, my conscience would not lead me in that direction. Uh, and, and again, look at it again. I want something for nothing. I don't want to get <coughs> what I what I have, what I want by by hard work and diligence and uh, etc. So we look into this um, Santa Claus arrangement basically, and I don't think that is in harmony with the biblical principle of depending upon God. Uh, working hard, trusting the Lord to provide, and uh, not becoming materialistic in our outlook. Uh, living by faith as opposed to living by the lotto ticket and hope that we'll get a, a cash in on that. I would not recommend it. It would be a sin for me. I can only speak for myself in regards to this matter, but because the Bible doesn't give a clear directive on the matter, um, all I would say to Christians that we should stay away from this thing because we've got to be examples and models to, to, to the world. How, how are we going to explain um, these people who become addicted when we ourselves uh, are fostering it by engaging in the activity. Uh, my conscience w- would not allow me to go in that direction. I have a question that just came in on WhatsApp from Antigua, and I think it follows right along this same train of thought in the answer. The question is, is it okay to be employed at a casino or gambling company as a Christian? Well, if, if, if in, in my view, gambling is wrong. Okay, my view as a believer, uh, and this has been the position of the evangelical church for for years. As I mentioned, it's only in the 20th, 20th century that the Catholic Church really opened the door to gambling for the churches and Christians because they got involved in their bingos and other forms of activities. But clearly, if, if, uh, if it is wrong for uh, a man to take his, his salary to come into a place and spend the whole night on a casino... He loses all of his money. He goes back home to his wife, his family. There's nothing there. He becomes so addicted. He embezzles funds. He gets involved in all kinds of illegal, illegal activities. The whole family, got confusion in the family, the, the wife, the children, uh, the tension that is there. The, there's no level of um, this po- maybe possible even divorce. I would then have difficulty uh, being one a person hired in such locations. It's like... I could not be a person who served at a bar selling alcohol because I'm against alcohol. Uh, how would it look for me as a Christian um, believing that um, assisting in a person becoming drunk? How can it be right for me as a Christian assisting in a person becoming a, a, a gambling addict and knowing the, the, the... Look, the persons that spend more money on gambling uh, three times more are the poor and the underprivileged. They spend three times more on gambling than the person who is in the middle class and the well-to-do person. Uh, so there's a drain on their finances. So it's affecting their home, it's affecting their families. It's just that we haven't had anybody come on the radio uh, who would share what gambling has done to their home, to their family. I think if we had something unshackled and we had people who could actually share those kind of things, you'll get an idea of the social cost to the country. But because uh, there's not a voice uh, that ventilates the social costs, uh, we're not aware of what the detrimental effect is. That's why I said the positive statistics, not knowing exactly how many addicts we've got in the in the Caribbean, what effect it's had on the home, the family divorce rate, et cetera, et cetera. Without that kind of, that kind of information, it's hard to argue your point. But believe me, if you take the statistics from America, 
is staggering uh, why Americans still continue to use the lotto and the lotteries, et cetera, et cetera. It has been, um, it has really been negatively affecting the social. Uh, social life of the American people. But wouldn't you say, even though it takes money from the individuals and from the families, that money is then put back into education or into sports? So doesn't it balance out? Well, what they've discovered in America uh, in terms of the lotteries, um, I'll get to my note shortly and and, uh, refer back to it. But what they have discovered that when you take the overall impact of um, dealing with the effects um, now that you've got gambling addicts, you've got to open centers to rehab. To de- rehab. Yeah. Then not only that, the social costs to the families, you now have to help with the social welfare. Um, because of the abuse of um, gambling in terms of embezzlement of funds and theft and robbery, et cetera, et cetera, the cost in the jails, when you take that entire cost together, not just look at the fact that you make a few dollars you can invest in, in, in education, it is not... In other words, it is negative as opposed to positive in, in that result. As a matter of fact, I'm told that 60% of the revenue for a lotto uh, in the states, I can only speak in the states, is dispersed among the management and advertising alone. So you only get 40%, basically. So it is, in the states, it's, um, it has really been negative for the for the for the states that have used it and they have some books that are written and some people some uh, ec- economists who've drawn that to the attention of the uh, american public i'm amazed at to find realize sometimes who is involved in gambling uh not too long ago my wife and i on the way home from church on a sunday we stopped by a restaurant and off of the restaurant another business entity is a one of these little casinos and we were eating, and this elderly lady, beautiful hair, bright, colorful ribbons and flowers on top of it, beautiful church dress. She was all dressed up proper, and she walked in. She looked around in the lobby or in the, the restaurant to see if she recognized anyone. And then she looked behind her shoulder at the door of the restaurant, and she quickly scurried into the casino. And it was, it was just an, an eye-opening experience. I wanted to tap her on the shoulder as she walked by and say, you know Jesus sees you. <laughs> the, the element of risk, uh, there's something about winning and the element of risk that's involved that is attractive to the human nature. But it, And it becomes very easily addictive. When you get something uh, f- much for little, the attraction is there. You keep believing you're going to win more and win, win, win more and win more. But everybody knows that eventually a gambler loses, finally loses. The only people that finally wins is really the gambling, the only people that own the gambling um, Management machines, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From a biblical worldview, is it the place of government to ban, to pass laws banning uh, gambling? Well, I think that government should elevate virtue. Okay, um, and do everything in its power to 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 uh, create virtue within the society. But when you when you uh, advertise a culture of greed and covetousness, because that's what they do, the amount of advertising that is done is designed to create the desire for more gambling, for more gambling. So I I think that uh, a government so- should have social responsibility, where it should uh, create. Um, virtue in people. In the case of gambling, uh, it's not doing that. It's creating vice and greed and covetousness. 
And I, I don't think that's the... The Bible says that government is a servant of God. I don't know if you're aware of that in the book of Romans. It says the government is a servant of God. Supposed to be. Supposed to be, <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I, in the case of gambling, really, it's, it's, it's really more fostering vice than it is fostering virtue. When we talk about... Uh, and, and again, gambling destroys the work ethic of a nation. Uh, rather than wanting to create people who want to work hard to achieve and to um, to um, gain wealth, it becomes a, a shortcut to do that. And the, the the disciplines, the core disciplines of a work ethic, uh, would be that it's thrift, uh, prudence, adherence to some kind of a routine, and to see there's a relationship between effort and reward. In the case of gambling. That is is not true. We have a WhatsApp question that just came in from St. Kitts Nevis. Thank you for sending that. Suppose each week I purchase gas, and the gas station has a promotion where you are given a card to fill out for a raffle. Would you consider that gambling? Believe it or not, that's a question that came up in our church some years ago, and uh, I am of a different opinion on this one. I, I don't that to my mind that is not gambling. That is the gas station giving back to you. You've been uh, a loyal client of that station for a long time. They can't give to everybody, so in a case like that, they're trying to. You're not buying anything to. In other words, whether you once you be purchasing gas there, you're given. Uh, it's like a supermarket as well. Uh, there are times when you buy certain things at a supermarket, they give you three or four, and they want to give you a whole basket of goods. They're trying to give back to you. Uh, some people see that as gambling. If they see that as gambling, I say you go with your conscience, avoid it. There are others that see that this is not that I'm, I'm actually I'm not going there and giving money and getting something in return. Uh, it's just that the supermarket is trying to give me back something of all my investment. There, so I don't perceive that. Since you're, so you're saying since you would have already spent the money on gas or since you would have already spent the money on groceries, they are tagging it on as a, a possibility to win something, but you didn't go in there with the intent of, I'm buying this ticket. Right, 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 right yeah, yeah. And, and quite frankly, in your case, whether you win or not doesn't matter. Yeah. You already paid the money that, that you've been buying from them. In the case of gambling, you're giving money to get something in return. Uh, so I don't – but I've – in our church, when that was discussed, there were some people who were had different opinions on the matter, felt it was gambling. And I told everybody, basically, if your conscience tells you that it's gambling, uh, you stay away from it. You don't want to do something against it. The Bible says God is greater than your conscience. So in a case where there's no clear biblical directive as to what is right or what, are wrong, what is wrong, you have to be guided by your conscience, and the sensitivity of your conscience should guide you in these matters. Pastor, if a listener is says, I or someone in my family is really struggling with this addiction to gambling. Are there some steps or some guidelines, maybe some scripture passages you would point them to to help them overcome that addiction? Well, every addiction um, basically has to be broken. And if you're going to break the addiction, you, ha- you need to have freedom and liberty. But there are also some practical steps you have to take. You might have to restructure your life. For example, uh, let's suppose that you're a person who are addicted to gambling and the tendency is that when you are driving on your way home, you're passing a gambling casino and every time you pass there, you're attracted to go in. It it may be, it may not be possible, but if it is possible to reroute your, 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 way, your way you travel, uh, rather than 
be appealed to by this uh, this thing that's attracting you. You have to help to restructure. You have to do certain things. In the, if it's gambling on the computer, for example, again, you have to put something in place, a structure in place to deal with that matter because if that's your weakness, you have to be maybe use the computer only when somebody is there, when your wife is there, whatever it is. But whatever is uh, the stimulus that is causing you to engage, you're going to have to have the discipline uh, to try to restructure your life in, in such a way that that whatever it is doesn't attract you. Of course, the, the other thing is, if it's an addiction, the Bible says if um, um, in John chapter 8, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So you need the power of Christ to break your addiction. Just like whether it be pornography or whether it be, uh, in this case, gambling, or whether it be alcoholism or whether it be some other um, social addiction, the power of Christ uh, is there and available for you. If you sense that this thing is an addiction for you and it is wrong, you need repentance. You need to ask God to forgive you. You need the power of Christ and you need the the power of the Holy Spirit. But then again, you might need also, as I've said on other occasions, somebody that you are accountable to. Um, Some some person who holds you accountable, who can work with you and and check with you on a daily basis. This is something you have to agree with. Uh, John, you're my friend. I'm having a problem. I'm struggling in this matter. I want you to hold me accountable. Um, I want you to call me every day and, and ask me what went on during this day, and especially be very specific in this area of my weakness. Uh, those are some very basic and then of course the Bible talks about these things coming out by, by prayer and fasting you might have to, to seek God in, in, in an appeal to prayer and fasting and enlist uh, a prayer warriors in your church to, to help pray for you and to try to keep you in, in this manner those are just some simple things that can be done just had a WhatsApp come in from the United Kingdom thank you for the individual that sent that in lottery and betting is a very large game here the money that comes in is used for charity. So would you say that is a sin? Again, I repeat, there's no specific verse in the Scripture that um, tells you that thou shalt not gamble. It's not there. What we have to look at in the long term is the impact it has, especially the social impact, the economic impact, on the individual impact. Um there are a lot of noble things that can be given as why they do um, these lottery tickets and so on and so forth. But if you look at the social cost in the lives of the homes, the individuals, the families, the impact of becoming an addictive gambler, compulsive gambler, the debt that these people run up, the confusion it causes in the home, the deficiencies in terms of the economics of the family, they can't even meet the, the obligations, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. the quarrels, the, the divorce, the, the, all of these social things that they have. Um, when you look at that in the overall, um, we might be doing some things that are charitable for a few people, but when you look at the, the overall impact that it has on, on society, I would suggest that um, I wouldn't want to get engaged in it. And um, in my in my view, gambling is wrong. Um, I feel that it is, is something that uh, we should not engage in. And I look at in the lives of people that you know or I know. Uh, it's just like alcohol. There's no particular verse in the Bible that said, Thou shalt not 
um, do this, but the social impact on it, the moral impact on it, has led the church over the years to to tell people that not to engage in this kind of because it becomes addictive. When it something becomes addictive, it takes over your life. You lose control of your life, and we want people who have control of their lives and depend upon God, work hard, and God will bless. There's no need to go in this. Other. And then this idea of giving to charity. Why don't we individually give? To charity, why do we have to buy something in order to give to get back something to give to charity? Why don't we donate uh, to charitable organizations, etc., etc.? Uh, well, at the base of it, uh, it might seem noble, but people who who do that, generally speaking, they want something for nothing. The casting of lots was used in the Old Testament, correct, for Co- God le- giving direction and leading. So, how is it that it was okay to? operate by chance in the Old Testament, but now you're saying in the New Testament in this dispensation that that there's a different standard or a different level that we're held to? That's that's a question that's raised many, many times. Um, uh, the fact that you cast lots in the Old Testament. But again, uh, we got to understand that God has dealt with man at the stage of man's moral, spiritual, intellectual development. Um, in the Old Testament, on the Old Testament economy, this was not really a matter of chance because God was the one that um, decided exactly what decision was made depending on the the the, the Urim and the Tumim. Uh So, it, it, in a sense, it, it seems as though you're, but he it seems as though it's a, a game of chance. But it is not because it's God that uh, told them how to do it, and then He decided exactly what the result would be. So the result was dependent on God. It wasn't dependent on uh, just using lots. God decided exactly what those lots would be. This was man at this infant stage of development, and this was God dealing with man at that level of development. Uh, And uh, we don't engage in those activities today because... Number one, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. Number two, we've got the Word of God to guide us. The Word of God is complete. There's no need now to to throw lots uh, to find out God's will. God's will is expressed in God's Word, and where there's something that is not specifically addressed in God's Word, we seek the biblical principles and seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Suppose a school is raising funds for a charitable cause to aid a student who needs medical assistance. There is a raffle for that cause. Would that be considered gambling? I would be honest with you. I have given to raffles. Uh, the young kids come on the thing and told me that you know they're going overseas or they're doing something or they're doing some project. And I, have, but I've never taken the ticket. Okay. I've said I've said. Listen, let me just put ten dollars, fifteen dollars. That's the way I operate and these kind of things. Um, that's a tough one. But again, again, let your conscience guide you in that that matter. For me. Uh, even though they bring the raffle ticket for me, I never took the raffle ticket. I just gave the money yeah. for, towards the project. Yeah, contribution. That's, yeah. What, that's, that's, that's my approach for it because my way of thinking is that if it is wrong for me to go into gam- the, the casino to gamble to get something in return, um, it, I saw the two of them as connected. Mm-hmm. But I would rather just give the money and don't want the raffle, don't want what the result is. That's how I operate in that matter. But I think, again, uh, conscience has to guide the ultimate guide of the believer. If there's nothing in the Word of God that is specific um, that restricts the believer in a particular matter, you have to live before God and your conscience in this matter. And the other thing is, of course, your testimony. That is so very, very crucial. If I, if I, Let's suppose I actually thought that the raffle ticket was not gambling. 
But let's suppose there are other people in my church who felt that way or other people around me or unsafe people. I would do nothing. Like Paul said in the book of Romans and Corinthians, nothing whereby my brother would be offended. Even though I might think I have the Christian liberty to exercise that, that, uh, that right, yet for the sake of the weaker brother, I would not engage in it. What about the games that uh, are often used for gambling, let's say dice or playing face cards? Uh, are the games themselves, should they be separated from and avoided, even if just playing on a casual with no money involved and no betting involved? Is the game wrong, or is it the activity of betting and gambling? And again, does it come into conscience? Is that the determining factor? Uh, I, I, the reason why I stayed away from cards when I was a boy, uh, I did get engaged in them. I used to play something called hearts, yeah, etc. And then I was told that the uh, the deck of cards. I don't know if you've heard that. The joke is supposed to be Christ, et cetera, et cetera. And that moved me away from cards, generally speaking. My opinion has somewhat changed over the years in that regard because my my mom used to play Patience. Um, there's another game that they play with the cards, et cetera, et cetera. But there was no, there was no exchange of, of funds, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I see that more as a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, if you're playing it as a game and your weaker brother is offended, uh, because in his judgment, maybe his past is different than yours, his experience is different than yours, and he's offended by that. As Paul said, if me defend my brother, I will eat no meat while the world stands. Our concern must not only be about ourselves, it must be the impact of, on people around us, especially the weaker brothers. We're to be good stewards, and we should invest money that God has given us. So I'm going to invest in the stock market. But the market, we all know that the stock market is not a guaranteed uh, return. So is that not a form of gambling? In, in, a, in a technical sense, it may be perceived that way. But again, if you're going to invest your money, what you do, you try to find the best broker. And if you're going to invest in oil, you're going to invest in, in stock, whatever it is, you find the person who's best dealing with that particular area. What you do as a, a person who's going to invest, you try to reduce your risk. It's not a reckless. Uh, and you are also aware that you can lose at the same time. So it's not that you really want something for nothing. Uh, there is a chance that you will get returns to your investment, a chance that you might lose everything. But the thing about it is the reduction of risk. And, uh, you know, the Lord told the, the, um, the, the guy that gave the talent to invest it, and he wanted returns. So clearly, investing and getting interest is a legitimate um, Christian principle because our Lord recognized that and he endorsed that. That's what capitalism is about. Thank you for joining us tonight for That's Truth. Again, let me encourage you, if you don't have a Bible preaching church, to visit Grace Baptist Church in Antigua. Be sure to tune in again next week here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, and we're going to be discussing what the biblical view should be, or the Christian's view should be, on the Masonic Lodge. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth.
Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth, Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kilohertz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.